You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Stars starving for starfruits, starch, and starbursts. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 184, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your grungy, gregarious group of groupers grasping for gripping granules. I'm Colin. And I'm Chris. And no Dana this week. No Dana. She had a little stomach trouble. Not feeling well. Yeah. So sorry, folks. Hopefully she'll she'll do better. By the time you hear this, she'll yeah. be all better. Get well she'll soon, be Dana. Yeah. Yay. And Chris, I, I saw that you found a bizarre headline to I found start a, the show. I found a headline. I found a headline that I wanted to bring up because I, I, wanted, I thought that you might want to know. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. They, they recently had a camel oh. born. Uh, in front of the public, it was the first camel born at the zoo since uh, that 1998. Zoo? The first camel born at the at the Lincoln Park Zoo okay. in Chicago since 1998. Oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen or, or heard of camel I, births. Yeah, well, they do. They do have babies. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but the the headline is that uh, they uh, they've named the camel. Is it a is it a pun of some kind? Chris? It might be a pun of some kind. Hum- <laughs> Humphrey. Uh, oh. That's it's not, not Humphrey. Or no. nor, nor Joe Camel. Those are a little well, too no, they're not, yeah. yeah, they're not going to They're not going to yeah. yeah. Camel. True, true, yeah. No, Humphrey's no, no. good. I like no. that. Uh, uh, C- Lumps? Camel. <laughs> Camel. <not> Caramel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is like a Laffy Taffy joke. I know, yeah. Can we, is it gettable? It's it's gettable. Yeah, it's gettable. Spitty? Related to... Uh, it's a... Um, how about this? Yeah, he's a historical figure. Hmm. Named after a historical figure. Albert Camel. Uh, <laughs> oh, not, not, kind yeah. Of a little bit of a reach, I suppose. Albert Camus and the Plagui. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh, famous historical, person. Historical. Historical. Historical figure. figure. Historical Is it a girl figure. or a boy? Uh, it's a boy. It's named after a boy. He has a first and a last name. You know, popular historical figure who may be, may be enjoying a bit of a resurgence in popular culture these days. Alexander Humpelton. Alexander Camelton. Colin got it. No, no. It's Alexander Camelton. <laughs> you were too. You're so focused on Hump. On the Hump. Alexander yeah. Humpington. You got. You got me more than halfway there, Karen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It was really a team effort. But if we ever have a camel, we're definitely going to call him Alexander Humpington. <laughs> Why not Alexander guess- Camelton? Two on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's two. I guess I don't want to name it anything with uh, humping. Right. Or, or, also, yeah. also, we probably should not be given a camel. Don't. But please, we can name please one. Please don't send us a camel. Yeah, you will. We'll gladly accept naming rights. Hey, oh, right, right. I don't know right. if you guys know, but you know, any any time, not any time, any time, but when. When, like, zoos have baby animals and yeah. they, they call for names, yeah. I always submit. Do you really? Names. Yeah. That shouldn't surprise me. That, yeah. And they're just rant, like, you know, sometimes they're punny, sometimes they're weird. I like that. Like, uh, like Disney had, a, you know, before they got rid of the petting zoo, they, they had baby goats. Uh-huh. And so I wrote in and suggest. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then another, I think, Ontario, I post this on Good Job Brain Facebook, um, had a bunch of uh, litter of beavers, beaver kits. Nice. And we're like, we got to name them. And? You know how Dana... Dana 
Dana signs up when there's earthquake. Dana's like the first to, to register go to, to report it. You know, in the the government. That's website. you, but with baby animal yeah, that's naming. Me. Yeah. Oh, Alexander Pumpington. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Should have called him uh-huh. Engelbert Camelding. <laughs> <laughs> So dumb. So we're recording this the week of June 6th, and which is very close because the Belmont Stakes are happening. Mm. This is a part of our, you know, in pub trivia, we have a couple of, of not blind Com- spots. It comes up a lot. It comes up, comes up a so lot. much. And the only person who knows this is Colin. <laughs> yeah. Like anything about the horses. And yeah. I've been to Churchill Downs. And I came in, I, you know, what is that? Kentucky Derby? Yeah, because it's in Kentucky. But like. <laughs> You're talking about like which of the Triple Crown races, is like what, what the. Oh, yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. Here, let's do a primer. Chris, feel free to join in. <laughs> well, how about this? How about this? I'll tell you how I remember the order. Okay. How about that? What is the okay. order of. So. Uh, this is United States Triple Crown. The the official name is Triple Crown of Thoroughbred Racing. Right. This is the U.S. version. There are three major horse races. What are the order? So the the, the I hope I'm correct here, okay. right? Uh, well, so the, the the biggest and most famous is the Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. and that that kicks things off. All right. So I just remember like that's first because mm-hmm. it's it's someone everyone heard of. Okay, kicking things off. Oh Kentucky. sure, I like that. Okay. I like that. Um, and then there is the Preakness. Uh, which is uh, the second race. And then the last one is the the Belmont Stakes. Yeah. Um, and so the way I remember it is like, all right, so Kentucky Derby is just the first one because it's the famous one. The Preakness is like it's peaking. The action, the Ooh. excitement oh, is nice, peaking nice, nice. in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then the Belmont, it's like you're the going for the bell. bell, the bell lap, oh, the final, like, like you're that. coming in. Beautiful. And that's, that's what I helps me remember the order. Okay, Colin. Yeah. Which race is the longest? I believe it is the middle one, the Preakness. Incorrect. Oh, it is no. Belmont is it? Okay. Stakes, uh, 2.4 kilometers, one and a half miles. Okay. Which is the shortest, the Preakness? The shortest is the Preakness. Okay. No okay. flip-flop those. So, All so, right. Yeah. So the last one is the longest one. Where are they held? What city are they held? Uh, well, so the Kentucky Derby obviously is in Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Louisville, Kentucky. All right. Louisville, I've never, Kentucky. I've never been there. Preakness is located in Maryland. Right. In, in uh, Baltimore. And then Belmont Stakes. Is in uh, New York. Yes. Elmont, New York. So it's Belmont without the, the B. At the Elmont. At the Elmont. So if you're a horse, not if you're a horse, but like. <laughs> when you're a when, horse. <laughs> yeah. The Triple Crown is the series of races, but to get the Triple Crown, you must win all three. Right. When was the last time a horse won all three? Oh. We I were feel just, like we, we, were we were just, just talking about it last year because yeah. the, we were on track for one last year. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember. And it was last year, 2015. American Pharaoh. Oh, that's right. For that, it was uh, 1978 was the last one. And was that Affirmed? Yes. Oh, my God. Affirmed? I I can only name Secretariat because they made that into a movie. They did. All right, so there's a quick horse racing trivia primer. That's good. This comes up on trivia all the time. It does. And it's it's one in three, but most of the time we get (laughs) it wrong. All right. And without further ado... Let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz! Hot shot! Colin versus Chris, I have a smorgasbord 
of random trivia cards. I got Baby Boomer Trivial Pursuit. Love it. Silver Screen Trivial Pursuit. Love it. Genus 4 Trivial Pursuit and a TV, TV on the Go Trivia Card, which isn't even Trivial Pursuit. Mm. Here's random. You guys have your barnyard buzzer. Does the rooster buzzer have a fresh battery in? Oh, nice. All right. Sounds good go. to me. All right. Right hand, left hand. Left hand. Okay. Colin, right hand, left hand. Oh, uh, <laughs> left hand. Okay. What is your method? Well, I just separate them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. TV trivia on the go. Oh, man. Oh, it's this one. I'm not a fan of these cards, but, but that's what we drew. That's yeah. what we drew. Okay. Here we go. No, no, no categories because they're all TV. And multiple choice. What was Mary's brother's name on the Donna Reed show? <laughs> Goodness. Was it all right. Right. Jeff, mm-hmm. Rick, uh-huh. or Bud? Bud. Incorrect. Mm. Given the general time period. I don't Rick, even know what time Rick. period this is. <laughs> Incorrect. It is Jeff. Wow. That's Good a, old that's a, Jeff. It's a very early what Jeff. What is the all Donna right. Reed show? I have no idea. In what movie did Superman's George Reeves make his debut? Is it Gone with the Wind, Key Largo, or the Maltese Falcon? Chris. Key Largo. Incorrect. The Maltese Falcon. (laughs) Now I want to see if we can do this for every question. If we can incorrectly guess two out of three. (laughs) All right. Leonard Sly is better known as whom? Ed Sullivan, <laughs> Milton Berle, or Roy Rogers? Colin. Roy Rogers. Correct. Because Roy Rogers sounds like a fake name. It does. Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Leonard Sly. Leonard right. Sly. That's a good one. Okay. Mm. From what Tennessee town did the Beverly Hillbillies come from? Oh, geez. Is it? Uh. Possum Point, <laughs> Hooterville, or Bug Tussle? <laughs> Colin. Hooterville. Incorrect. Chris. Possum Point. It is Bug Tussle. No! no! Man, I thought for sure, like, I would have put money that if it wasn't yeah. <laughs> Hooterville, it was Possum, Possum Point. Point. Wow. Bug, bug Tussle. Man, I just, I never, uh, I never watched that one growing yeah. up. I really didn't. Okay, now we're in a more more recent era. Oh, so the 70s? <laughs> 90s. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, I'm surprised this set is that new, frankly. <laughs> On Beverly Hills 90210, who played Brenda Walsh's best friend, Kelly? Oh. Oh, I'm not going to give you... Oh, yeah. We'll, I, oh, okay. okay. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. I believe that is uh, Jenny Garth. Correct. Ah, uh, okay. Jenny Garth. Now, were the other two choices also people that were on? Yeah, why don't you guess the other actresses? Shannon Ooh. Doherty and no. uh, Gabrielle Carteris. Yes, Gabrielle Carteris and uh, Tori Spelling. Uh, yep. Tiffany Amber. Oh, okay. okay. Tori Spelling. All right. Uh, who played Mork and Mindy's son? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I, I forget that yeah. these are, yeah. I mean, I just, I know who okay. played. It's, uh, it was Jonathan Winters. Wow. Yeah. yeah just, he, good, good job. Yeah, he played Mirth, Mirth from Earth who was son of Mork from Ork. My goodness. Yeah. Wait, so Mork and Mindy had that, a kid? They had a kid, and yeah. again, I... So i show off my nerd side here. So I was a big Mork and Mindy fan. So uh, as you may recall, in Mork species, <laughs> they age backwards. Oh, really? So, so, so his son was, was born as like an, a, a, an adult Jonathan right, Winters. Right, right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wise cracking just right from day one. 
is the producer behind many of the reality shows, including Survivor many and of the reality shows. <laughs> of, of the reality yes. shows, including Survivor and The Apprentice. Mark Burnett. Correct. I was going to give you the names, but no, once no. I said Survivor, yeah, Chris is all over Chris that one. In. The reality show. The rea- oh, you know the reality, the reality shows. shows. Uh, what now, was... Which is now all television. <laughs> really tell us carbs in the nineties. Wow, you know you know this one, Chris. Yeah. What was the name of the lying contestant on the original The Apprentice? Of the of the lying contestant. Yeah. Quote lying contestant. Oh, Omarosa. Correct. Okay. Hmm. Uh, who was the first female head writer for Saturday Night Live? I think I know. I think I know. Okay, together. <gasps> Tina, Tina Fey. Fey. Correct. Okay. All right. The other two names were Gilda Radner, fantastic, mm. not head writer, and Mary Gross, who was in our feds. favorite movie, uh, Wait. True Beverly Hills. Oh, True Beverly Hills and Feds. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. I'm a big Mary Gross fan. She's great. Uh, what nickname did Mr. Edwards give Laura on Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> uh, there, I, have, I have choices. I'll, I'll gladly take the choices yeah, here. Yeah, let's go choices. <laughs> All right. Knee high. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Half pint. Uh-huh. Or mm-hmm. squirt. Okay. I, I was going to guess. I, I like squirt. I don't know why. What were you going to guess? Garbage can. Or <laughs> <laughs> it is half pint. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. I bet yep. Dana would have gotten that That's one. Funny. All right. Good job, Brains. That was, a, <laughs> that was a weird... I mean, all these cards are actually hard. I'm sure they're all just terrible. Because yeah. they're, I mean, well, they're all from a time long ago <laughs> that we don't get. So, Colin, what are we talking about this week? Well, so, uh, as you guys know, you know me well, and I think our listeners probably do. I, I watch a lot of Simpsons. So, oh. this, uh, this week's topic was... Uh, directly indirectly inspired by one of my favorite episodes of the simpsons which i was casually watching a few days ago and uh it is the episode where they go to the uh, chili cook-off mm. and while they're at the chili cook-off uh marge uh is off looking at a craft booth uh actually run by lenny the name of the craft booth is a little bit of lenny <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even watch the show and it's funny and so she's looking at some of Lenny's handmade crafts, and she sees a spice rack. And I'll just I'll read it for you. I enjoy it. So she looks at, oh, look at that adorable spice rack. Eight spices. Oh, some must be doubles. <laughs> and then she picks one up and looks at it. And she's all, Oregano? What the hell? <laughs> so that's one of my favorite just yeah. Marge scenes. I just cannot fathom that there could possibly be more than eight Four. spices in the world. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and just as a side note, uh, I, was, I was going online to make sure I got the, the wording of the scene exactly correct because... Rest assured, somebody would let me know if I didn't. Yeah. Um, and I found out many, many, many uh, Simpsons fans who live in England uh, or other uh, Commonwealth countries, they, they were they all chiming in saying, like, I, it was years before I actually got this joke. Because in British English, uh-huh. you do pronounce it oregano. And so the, the joke is that Marge, of course, having never heard of it, doesn't right. know how to pronounce it the American proper way. Interesting. Oregano. Yeah, so a lot of British viewers were like, oh, I didn't get the joke for the longest time. Oh, I didn't get it either. Yes, oregano, not oregano. Yeah, the joke being that Marge has never heard of oregano. Oregano. Right. Oregano. 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 So that got me thinking about spices and herbs and things of that nature, and I thought that would be a perfect topic for Good Job Brain. So this week, spice up your life! 
Well, uh, oregano, it's, it's, it is a plant, and it's like the dried, you know, leaves of... Like of, an herb? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an herb, right. Or if you are speaking British English... Herb, herb. Yes, oregano herbs. the herb. Or, <laughs> oregano the herb, yes. Well, this is a good question, actually, and That's, I, I can see I don't this. want to hear anything about how we're too, quote-unquote, America-centric <laughs> anymore, okay? Let me ask you guys, what is the difference between herbs and spices what's a, what's an herb and what is a spice herb, like herb is a, yeah i mean an herb is um a, a leaf of a plant and a spice is made from i think ground seeds or 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 a well, berry what's cinnamon like, then cinnamon's bark cinnamon is bark yeah 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 so it's like is that herb or a spice it's not an herb okay. it's cinnamon's a spice okay. cinnamon's a spice yeah. Yeah, you Stuff got like it. You got it. I'm, I'm going to jump yeah. in. Just yeah, you you yeah. you've, you've you pretty much. Give me the, you can give me the. Gnome, you've got the spirit yeah, of it. Okay. No, it's it's pretty much it. Yeah, herbs are the difference between herbs and spices depends on what part of the plant it comes from. Herbs are oh. just the leaves or the or the, the green the green part of the plant, and spices are basically everything else. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. seeds, yeah. Uh, bark, uh, roots, like the the woody portion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you also sort of touched on it, like not always, but but generally speaking, most spices are dried whereas herbs can be either dried or fresh you can have fresh herbs um for the most part most spices cinnamon you know uh, anything like that they tend to be dried ground Mm -hmm. yeah so you got it that's the difference between herbs and spices Mm -hmm. yeah um but we don't call it an herb rack we call it a spice rack so yeah yeah. just one of the big injustices in the kitchen (laughs) i I have no i have nothing to add for that yeah yeah i mean if i had to guess i'd say that it probably started out like you just had spices on your spice rack and then herbs were in your garden yeah i think you're right fresh and then the i think modern drying technology (laughs) gave us the the jar of oregano and there are of course you know there are of course some plants i don't know what you really call (laughs) you can call it either one in america america's oregano yeah yeah there are i mean there are of course some plants where we where we do both like famously you know we get this one in trivia a lot like oh this, coriander exactly like oh the cilantro God, like the cilantro plant like if you use the leaves it's cilantro if you use the seeds it's coriander but they come from the same plant and there aren't there aren't a whole lot of plants where we use them in both ways like that but that's a good example I did a lot of uh, spice, fell into a spice hole uh, getting ready for this episode. Yes. You know, I was reading about the spice root and how, you know, really like the desire to find spices drove so much of early oh, exploration. Yeah. Oh, right. I sure, mean, yeah. it was... Spices and dyes. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I mean, you know, just there were there would be literally ships going out with gold, trading them for peppercorns and bringing them back, you know, sure, at one yeah. time. It was really valuable. Um, do you guys know where the spice islands, so the access to the to the original... Spice Islands was huge Mm. back way, way, way back. uh, You know, uh, we would get uh, nutmeg, uh, cloves, uh, mace. A lot of things only grew in the Spice Islands. Go ahead, Karen. Where are these Spice Islands today? Okay, so Spice Islands, they have a lot of of these plants. Yeah, yeah. What what part of what modern day country? Fiji? Indonesia. Oh, okay. Mm. Indonesia. Well, there are a lot of islands. Yes, there are many, yeah. many islands. Yeah, but I had always like heard that Java, term. Like Java, that, that the spice old islands. Area. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, I guess it's the uh, Malaccas or the Maluku Islands uh, in Indonesia, uh, which is sort of the. The, the original ancestral home of many of these spices that we now have Man, on our racks. food must have been bland. Food was pretty food bland. Food was bland, yeah. Food was pretty that bland. They're, they're ready to send out ships filled with gold just to make things 
spicy. Mm-hmm. I have an interesting... Just to uh, make things taste like things. Yeah. 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 I did read, I read uh, one historian was saying, you know, like... This no, cool crack little, the book out. Let me clear this cool little anecdote I found. Who brings a book to a trivia podcast recording? Who has, who has who has books, books about are, spices? Spice trivia. Bookshelf. Colin. <laughs> Colin. <laughs> I have a, a fun little anecdote here from the uh, Bill Bryson book, At Home. He's talking about the birth of the spice trade. Quoting here, When the Goths threatened to sack Rome in 408 AD, the Romans bought them off with a tribute that included 3,000 pounds of pepper. Oh, my God. Yes. That's Wait, pepper? Like- just pepper. Peppercorns. And this one. Uh, for his wedding meal in 1468, Duke Carl of Borgogna ordered 380 pounds of black pepper, far more than even the largest wedding party could eat, and displayed it conspicuously so that people could see how fabulously wealthy he was. Check out my sp- Yeah, just my pile of peppercorns. Not gold or jewels, but yeah. peppercorns. Peppercorns are berries, right? They they are, I believe, yes, technically a berry. I wonder what they taste like when they're not dried up. Pretty like, bitter, probably I believe. Probably pretty okay. bad. Yeah. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So from, I knew exactly what I was going to talk about as soon as, as, soon as, as Colin said spices. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about this topic. Um, you may already know. You might already know about me. Certainly, you guys uh, here here in the Good Job Brain Studios, um, you understand my my passion uh, for the dish known as curry rice in Japan. Oh, Japanese yes. curry is my absolute favorite food of all time. Not just normal curry. Not just well. There's well it's different. There's all kinds of different uh, regional variations on the dish known as curry uh, out there in the world. But my absolute favorite is Japanese curry. It's it's. It's more like comfort food. Like when most people think about curry, they think about like Indian curry or Thai curry, mm. and it's a like it's a really hot, you know, uh, you know, make you sweat kind of like adventurous food that you might be eating. Japanese curry, really, the sensation for me is like you know, like eating macaroni and cheese or, or something that's like warm, comforting, sweet um, kind, kind of food. I'll tell you, people outside Japan do not understand like how popular curry rice is uh, as a dish in Japan. There was a survey done by uh, SNB, which is this company that really for the entire history of Japanese curry has been making curry powder. Uh, that was, it was it was like the original Japanese curry powder. It's still sold today. They did a survey. People in Japan, on average, eat curry uh, 78 times a year. That's, that's one and a, that's one and a half times a week, four or five days. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is 
It, it, I mean, it's more popular than sushi. It is, it is by some measurements more popular than ramen. You know, so we hmm. in, in America, we eat a lot of, you know, people eat a lot of ramen. And we think, oh, that's a very typical Japanese food. We eat a lot of sushi. Oh, that's a very typical Japanese food. Curry, which is not nearly as popular outside Japan, is like head and shoulders above those Whoa. foods as one of the most popular, well-liked, and um, most often eaten foods in Japan. Well, how did that happen? Yeah. How did that come to be? It's a really, Japanese curry is really, is a really strange uh, dish because um, when I, certainly when I first moved there, um, I'd uh, go to my, the school cafeteria and I'd get a plate of curry rice. I'm like, what is this? Oh, this is pretty good. And I took my chopsticks and I ate it. <laughs> you know, I was able to do it pretty well. It's, it's you know, it's a, the, the plate is half white rice and then half this sort of brown curry sauce. And everybody was like, oh, you, you eat it with a spoon, which is the weirdest thing. Even in America, people people don't understand what to do sometimes with curry. That like the, at, a, at a restaurant, they'll give you a fork, a spoon, and chopsticks. And people who don't know... Who don't who who don't know about curry will first they'll start with the chopsticks right and then if that doesn't work they'll go to a fork but the last thing they'll do is sit there with this plate of rice and sauce and maybe even a pork cutlet like a breaded piece of pork on top of it they're not going to take a spoon and eat that but that is how you eat it I eat it the wrong Japan. way I just learned I eat it the wrong way wait yeah. you don't wow, eat the, you, you don't eat the meat with the I use the fork and I you, guess I've been doing it like a chump. You were supposed to use the spoon for the whole thing, and everything they do is made so you can eat it with a spoon. You're mm. supposed to be able to cut the, the pork cutlet right in half with mm. the edge of your spoon. Yep. Japanese curry, um, and, and in terms of the flavor profile, I mean, it does, it does use the, the spices that are often found in curry dishes. Like if you were to take you know, curry powder off the shelf, it, it can taste like a whole lot of different things. Japanese curry is usually sweeter than spicy curry. Mm. Um, it's, it's really just hard to describe what it tastes like without actually for me i think it, it tastes it's it's sweet and it's spicy mm-hmm. and it's salty it's like a brown gravy like yeah it's, it's kind of think, like beef stew or yeah. something like that but with more exotic like curry spices but it's also creamy at the same time yeah it's like um like an asian version of mole almost like hmm. it's so many things together yeah it's an interesting comparison yeah right yeah right yeah right and it can be a, it, it can be a lot of different things. I mean, you can have really bad curry and you can have really good curry. Um, so, okay, well, let's talk about curry, as in you know the spice mixture and the the dish in general. Oh yeah, what is what is curry? Uh, and it means sauce, hmm. but but it's specifically oh. come to mean a meat and vegetable stew sort of concoction that uses certain spices, but it's like meat in sauce that has been heavily spiced to be very aromatic. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the word itself originates just from the word for sauce. Hmm. Like salsa. Like salsa. Exactly. Sauce. What right. is salsa? Oh. Just means sauce. Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just be really clear. There is no such spice as curry, right? It's a curry powder. When you you can you could you, you go to the supermarket and you see, you know, oregano and then you uh, see yeah. curry powder. Right. Um that's not like a spice. Curry powder is um usually I mean uh, so so some common ones are coriander. The spice coriander is very prevalent in a lot of curry powders. Cumin uh, and turmeric mm. is, is another spice. I grabbed, I went to the pantry and I grabbed some curry powder and I grabbed some garam masala, which is the spice mix that they use in like chicken tikka masala, right? So the curry powder had coriander, fenugreek, turmeric, ah. red pepper, and onion, like powdered onion. Uh, the garam masala had coriander. 
black pepper, cumin, cardamom, and cinnamon. So, but I mean, any curry you have might have any combination of those spices. It's always going to be a rich. I thought there was like one thing that had to be in there to be called curry powder. You know, so coriander seems to be the common ingredient between these two. But I I believe I was reading somebody did a survey of um, many different recipes for chicken tikka masala and found out that the only ingredient in common was chicken (laughs) across all of the recipes. Right. A mixture of spices and some kind of sauce with meat or vegetables, and you have curry. Wide, wide range of different experiences throughout the world. So the first step on curry's journey from, like, the the Indian subcontinent, where it was sort of invented, uh, to Japan, uh, is through Britain. Because oh. Britain had, of course, you know, colonized India for a few centuries, and... You had people going from countries like India and going and living in the UK and like, you know, cooking food there. You had a lot of British people going and living in India and eating food there. And you got that cross-cultural like, oh, curry is a thing. And they started really enjoying it. And curry got very popular in Britain, um, especially around kind of the turn of the century in the 1900s when you actually had more like Indian or Pakistani or like Bangladeshi like restaurants starting to open in. Yeah. Chicken tikka masala. That wasn't invented in India. That's it, that's it, a UK it, it invention. It was it was possibly invented Scott, in yeah. Glasgow. Yeah, uh, by a Pakistani chef who yeah who claims to have invented chicken tikka masala huh. in Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah, huh. it's not like a traditional. I Indian didn't know that dish. either. But yeah. of course, it comes from that. I mean, the the story that I read was the classic uh, potato chips story where the customer sends the food back because right. he says, "Oh, your curry chicken is too dry," <laughs> and the guy goes, "Well, dump some tomato soup in there." And then it'll be wet for him, you know? And then the guy's like, I love it. You know, that that kind of thing. That classic The classic potato chip story. Yeah. All right. So so how to get from how to get from England to Japan? Uh in the Navy. So um, the Japan and Britain in the early part of the 20th century had an alliance and uh, their respective navies hung out together a lot because the ships would go from Japan to Britain, Britain to Japan, etc. And so I only found one source for this. Uh, It may have been a tactic to get the Japanese Navy to be healthier because there was a a website wrote about this um, called uh, Taiken Japan is the name of the site. But they were writing about this. This part is definitely multiple source. Many Japanese people, including some of the sailors in the Navy, were getting a disease called beriberi. Uh. B-E-R-I B-E-R-I. Seems you could, like a really cute name for a disease. For a bad disease. You could you could lose a lot of weight. You could have nervous system problems, like debilitating disorder. It was not good when people got this. And at first, well, they noticed that the British, you know, the British people don't have it. It's like, why don't they have it? They were like, oh, it must be endemic to Japan. It must be some sort of genetic Thing to Japan. Huh. No, turns out it was <laughs> turns out it was a vitamin B one deficiency because all the Japanese dudes ate was white rice, mm. and the white rice is rice has been stripped of the hulls and the husks and everything and all the stuff that has, has the no vitamins value. in it. Yeah, so they were not getting enough vitamin B one, and that's what berry berry was. It was a vitamin B one. It's the deficiency. scurvy for vitamin B. It's, it's scurvy for, <laughs> for rice, basically. <laughs> And so there was a doctor, there was a Japanese doctor who had kind of trained in Britain and, and hypothesized that it was a you know, vitamin deficiency. And they were like, oh, we need to start giving these guys different foods. And what one of the things they landed on was the guys in the British Navy loved eating curry. Huh. So 
and I'll and I'll tell you, Japanese curry is actually very similar in terms of the flavor profile too. Um, if you go to an Irish pub or you go to a British pub and you get curry chips, like French fries with curry, uh, that is actually the closest thing there is to so Japanese interesting. curry. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. I, I think and so, I, course, I had always just assumed that it that it came with like like Buddhism. You know, I mean, like it followed the path from India into Asia. Like that's it makes a lot, what of, a lot sense. of people think. Huh. It would come over with the the Buddhist monks. Yeah. Absolutely not. No, it went through Britain. <laughs> Yes. And so, that's why you eat it with a spoon because it is considered oh. it's considered a Western food. It's very uh, recent. It's huh. it's it's, ni- it's the nineteen twenties ish when this was all happening. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And so they add British dishes to the Japanese naval menu, uh, and it catches on in a big way. And so, in fact, even today, the Japanese, which is now the the Japanese Navy, is now the Maritime Self Defense Force. Right. Uh, like Friday is Curry Day, and every <laughs> Every ship in the Japanese Navy now, they they have perfected their own curry recipe. It's like a is, chili cook-off. That like is, different- it, absolutely. It is unique to their ship, and they're all very proud of their curry recipes, and they have a yearly uh, Navy curry cook-off. That's awesome. Yep, yep. So when are we going? And, yeah, yeah. And again, and again it, it trends towards sweetness. So some of the ingredients you'll find in the Navy curry are like chocolate, honey, Red wine, apples, uh, like a mole, jam. like you yeah. said. Karen, yeah, apples are very popular. Parmesan cheese in one. Instant Ooh. coffee is sometimes Ooh. used. Yeah, to really give yeah. it a really rich depthness of flavor. Um, so the you know the, the navy goes home to their families. They bring back the fact yep. that they love curry. Kind of. So curry powder at this point is an expensive. British import, right? You still, even though you love curry, you still can't necessarily get the spices if you're like a poor Japanese family. Two major events happen to to make curry the the sort of culinary powerhouse that it is today in Japan. Number one, I'm going to quote directly from the Japan Times because this is beautiful. The great curry powder scandal of 1931, in which unscrupulous dealers were caught selling cheap domestic curry powder as expensive Cross and Blackwell powder from (laughs) England. This escalated to an international diplomatic incident leading to several arrests. But... It ironically gave a big boost to domestic curry powder oh. manufacturers, such as S&B Foods, since people discovered they couldn't really taste the difference. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, event number two, 1954, is the intro of how, if you've had Japanese curry, if you've made it at home before, how you probably made it, which is the introduction bricks. of the, the bricks. The curry bricks. So, I mean, to make curry, like, you have to go through a lot of processes. You got to, you know, melt down some onions. You got to, like, you know, make a roux with with butter and flour. There's a lot of technique. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, and it takes a long time. The introduction of the, the instant curry bricks, which combined the spices, the thickening agents, all into... A, it looks like a bar of chocolate, but yeah. I wouldn't eat it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe like, a fancy soap. Like a dove chocolate yeah. bar. <laughs> you break off some bricks, you toss it into some into some hot water, and you will get a thick uh, curry. The important thing with, with this is, this is actually when, when Japanese moms make curry at home, like generally this is what they use. Like it's not... You know, people will make curry from scratch, sure, but it's like this is how you actually like... Ain't got time get for that. Get dinner on the table. Right, <laughs> right. 
importantly, you you start with the brick. Your base. Start the recipe, and then the rest is what you do with it. You know, adding honey to it and like doing more stuff with it over meat. the course of cooking it. Yeah, meat. Chris, when you say that you're a Japanese curry expert, what, uh, what are your accolades? It's, you know, have, you, have you been in, in a magazine, let's say? It's or... funny that you should mention this because <laughs> if you were to go and purchase, which I don't think you can anymore, the April 2016 issue of GQ Japan, that's actual GQ, the Japanese version, there is an article called Obsessed with Curry, uh, 15 People's Curry Lifestyle. <laughs> and it's like Japanese actors and uh, comedians. And, and one crazy American. And, and one Mr. Chris. American. Uh, and that is me. They were showing me the layout of the magazine, and it was like a placeholder photo, and it just was captured like, Mr. Chris, he is eating happily with curry. Um, yeah, and so uh, that's now on the... If you go to... Fumi Curry in uh, in Bernal Heights here in San Francisco. They put it up on the not only did they put it up on the wall, they put it up on the window facing outside uh, into the street. Nice. So if you walk by the see place, your face. You'll, see, you'll see my smiling face with a spoonful of curry. The proper way. You can all, you had a GQ photo shoot. I had a GQ photo wow, shoot. Wow, not a lot of people can see that. That wasn't even on the bucket list, but I put it on the bucket list and then crossed it off immediately. I want some coffee curry. That sounds pretty good. Well, yeah. I mean, it all kind of... They're in that, yeah, kind of that, the coffee, chocolatey, the, I yeah, can see that. Yeah, molasses yeah. kind of mm-hmm. burnt. Ooh, like some Guinness, maybe some Guinness curry. That you know could what? work pretty like, well. You know the Guinness stew? Mm-hmm. Like you get at yeah, pubs? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's very similar yeah. to Japanese curry. It is, it is, um, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We're getting hungry, and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello. It is I, Elvis, the Good Job Brain 80s robot. I am here to announce that the official Good Job Brain book will be available this fall. Segments, quizzes, original illustrations, puzzles, and weird facts to entertain you humans while you humans engage in your bodily waste excavation sessions in the space known as the Toilet. The book will be in both paperback and a book versions. 
and you can even pre-order the paperback version on Amazon today. See you on Nicolette. Welcome back. You're listening. Good job, Brain. This week we're talking about things that are spicy. I have a music quiz for you guys. Oh, is it all Spice Girls? And uh, no, in fact, it is not all Spice Girls. I like, I'm going to win. The answer to every every song is Spice, Spice Girls. girls. Uh, yeah. So, well, usually, you know, when we do these uh, music quizzes or at pub quiz, we'll, we'll we get the songs, and you've got to tell me the theme. I'm going to mm-hmm. invert it here. I'm just going to tell you outright: the theme is spices and seasonings and herbs and sure. all okay. in that. Seasonings. Yeah, yeah, seasonings more okay. broadly. Yeah. yeah, herbs, herbs. Herbs, Herbs, spices, seasonings. And that is the theme of this music quiz. So, so it could be in the artist name or the title could song? Could be in the artist name, could be the name of the song, could be in the lyrics, could be some other, hopefully not crazy connection, yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. to spices, herbs, seasonings. So here we go. For each track, tell me who is the musical artist. First track. Uh, both of you buzzed in, but I think Chris was a little quicker. Uh, Tony Basil. Yes, Tony. Basil? Uh, I would say Basil personally. Well, uh, the British. Yes, again, the British-English Basil distinction. Basil. Wow. Yes, t- Tony Basil. Yes, correct. Yeah. With, uh, with Mickey. Yes. Hey, Mickey. I looked this up. It may not surprise you to know that Tony Basil is a stage name. <gasps> but this is where it gets... Why did she choose it? This is hilarious. This sounds made up, but I swear it's not. Her real name is Antonia okay. Christina Basilotta. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Bezalotta. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess she can. That's very 80s. Yes. Yeah. Very 80s. Yep. So yeah. Italian? Uh, yes, it's Italian. Like Antonia Basilotta. That won't <laughs> yeah, fit yeah. on a 45 <laughs> record label. Now you Tony Basil, kid. I can see it now. Yeah. Hands her 50 bucks. You're in the music business. <laughs> well, I guess she came from a performing family, and her, her father was an orchestra leader under the name Louis Basil. So oh, it was, okay, okay, she, sure. you know, wasn't the first one in her family to think, you know, well, this is going to be a little more. Uh, cut that down. Yeah, cut that down. All right, next track. I'm sure you guys have heard the song before, but who is this artist? Both of you guys at the same time. The are we? Are we yeah, go out? for it. Both yeah. of you. I'm going to give it to you because I. Uh, <laughs> you know, we both Karen, please. I, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. The Archies. Yes, it yeah. is the Archies. The yes, Archies. the fictional musical group. Yeah. And it's the Archie comic Not, people, you know, right? It is the Archie comic people, right? I mean, right. it was it was created for the Archie show and pr- presented as if it was the Archie character singing yeah. the song. I didn't know how big of a hit that song oh, was. It yeah. was the number one Billboard single for 1969. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. It was on top for many weeks, uh, and then it charted again in 1970, covered by Wilson Pickett. 
<laughs> of all people. Oh. Yes, a proper musical cover. Good life for Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Next track. Tell me, who is this band? For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. The Hendersons will all be there, later Pablo Frank is there, what a scene. Over men and horses, hoops and garters, lastly through a hogshead of real fire. Oh. Chris. This is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, as memorably portrayed by the, the Beatles. Beatles. Ooh, yes. what a fantastically worded answer. Yes. I love it. Yes, I yes. I would have accepted the Beatles. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Right. oh, okay. What was the song name? Uh, that is uh, Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Okay. Yes. So they're cosplaying as Sergeant Pepper. Well, the whole uh, album. Yeah, oh, oh. that's the concept okay. album. Yeah, right. the whole yeah. album is that they're presented yeah. as Hence yeah. Pepper. Right. Yeah. You know, obviously a big uh, carnival circus atmosphere to that song. Uh, yeah. I learned this. The almost all of the lyrics and the imagery from this song uh, were inspired directly from oh, by a poster, a circus poster that yeah. John Lennon had bought in an antique shop. Uh, and I mean, it's just so whimsical, but. Everything on there, you know, Pablo Fanky, like everything on there was straight from this poster. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right, yeah. Really interesting. Um, I, I read uh, Lennon, uh, when they were producing the album, he, uh, he told George Martin, their producer, that he wanted to, quote, smell the sawdust on the floor. And I think he accomplished that. Yeah. Next track. Who is this artist? Chris. Paprika Jones. I, I, sorry. <laughs> Paprika Jones. I, 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 wish, I wish I could give you a star for Paprika Jones. Hooter. <laughs> uh, Karen, you want to take a stab? This is a, a, a big 90s hit. Veruca Salt? Yes. Wow. Oh, I no. pulled okay. that out of my butt. Yes. Mm. I was yes. like, what is seasoning pepper yep. Yep. and has, or has girl bands? You nailed it. You yep. nailed it. That was in the punch bowl. Yeah, that is a seether, uh, the, the biggest hit by far for Veruca uh, Salt. Yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. named after the character from Charlie mm-hmm. and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. I want it now. All right, next track. Who is this artist? Karen, right away. 
Well, I mean, it took me a while. Uh, the sugar cubes. Yes, oh. you got it. The there. sugar cubes. Eventually, yes. Bjork. Yes, that is uh, okay. Bjork as lead singer of the sugar cubes. That's yeah. That's how I would have guessed, but I did not know about the sugar cubes connection. Yep, that is a hit. Uh, one of Iceland's most famous bands. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I guess I like Seeger Rose too. But, oh you yeah, know, yeah. Rose. yeah. Yeah. That's why I said three more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next track. This is a very. Well, I'm not going to give you any hints. I'm going to hit. Next track. Next track. Who who is performing? Jumps right out at ya. Ten three one the calendar. In Texas, a hellraiser's born like the chainsaw massacre. Hills have eyes in Texas, kids. Stories about what next he did. Doctor slapped him on his ass. His head spun round like exorcist. Bad enough for quarantine. Mess with him, you're gonna scream. They said he had to shine it. He saw red rum and evergreen. Omen since he was a teen. Freddy Krueger on the scene. Slicing up MCs. Oh, Chris. Chris is gonna take a stab. Who do we got? Is it the Red Hot Chili Peppers? It is not the no. Red Hot Chili Peppers. What uh, was your hint, though? It, it's a, the hint is uh, this is a new track from someone who was famous a long time ago. Huh. Karen. Vanilla Ice. That is oh. Vanilla Ice, yes. This is uh, Born on Halloween from huh. his most recent album, <laughs> mm-hmm. WTF. Uh, released in 2011. I th- uh, also uh, featuring Violent J on that track from Insane Clown Posse. Oh, okay. Going for kind of a uh, horror-y theme there. Mm. All right, last one. Last track. Here we go. A little bit of a novelty song here. Okay. Who is <laughs> this artist? Chris. Is that the Red Hot Chili Peppers? That is the Red Hot oh. Chili Peppers. Yes. That's a Robert Johnson song, Hot Tamales, parentheses, They're Red Hot. You are all over it. <laughs> wow, Absolutely what? right. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, They're Red Hot, written by legendary, legendary mm-hmm. bluesman Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. That's right, from the 30s, which was already sort of a novelty song when he wrote it. The Red that, Hot, Red Hot yeah, Chili Peppers sure. sped it up considerably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that almost sounded like... Backwards. All right. Well, that was it. I think you guys did a perfect seven for seven there. Good job. Well yeah, done. Together. Yeah. Well, you know, there's only two of you, too. It's always a little trickier with no Dana. That's right. All right. I'm going to close the show. Uh, Chris, you took on a journey with curry rice. I'm going to take on a journey with another food item, oh. a spicy food item. And also, it's... It's so weird because I didn't know you were going to do that segment. So it just makes well, me think that this is why I love Good Job Brain because like there are things that we don't really vernacular normal things. And then when you like research more about it to, to find out why it is the way it is, it's so interesting. It's like, oh, the, the British and then the Japanese Navy. It's like, oh, my God. I, I wouldn't right. know. And I just right. thought it was like a sauce, you know. Mm. Let me ask you guys. When you guys go to a Thai restaurant. A Thai restaurant? A Thai restaurant. Yeah. What what can you name me some food items that you see from a Thai Thai restaurant menu like dishes, dishes. just list out things pad thai yellow curry uh, meat on a stick um, <laughs> crab, satay crab rangoons <laughs> crab rangoons um, <laughs> that's cream I'm cheese in here. it um, <laughs> but 
Colin, you said a number one thing you think of Thai food is probably pad Thai. Uh, I think certainly okay. in America. I yeah, think in America, in America. yeah, for, in, for in, sure. Yeah. Most, I'd say, you know, Western places. You go to a Thai restaurant, that's kind of, that's the thing you get. It has Thai in the name, pad Thai. <laughs> yeah, if you um, don't know where else to start, start with a dish that has the country's name in it. In pad Thai, how would you describe pad Thai? Uh, huh. I would describe it as, uh, wow, it's got a lot of ingredients. A little, little bit sweet. A little bit tangy. Uh, you got some noodles. You got some peanut. You got some uh, vegetables in there. Some egg. It's basically a hodgepodge stir fry rice yeah. noodle dish. Yeah. Okay. Your base is rice noodle. Mm. Um, it, it's in an orangey red sauce or a spicy sauce. Stir fry together with eggs, chicken, seafood, bean sprouts, veg- just random things. Kind yeah. Of all, all in one thing. And it's sweet and it's tangy. Pad Thai is a weird dish because mm. you, you, you associate it with. With Thailand, are you gonna? Wait, are you not gonna tell me this is nothing that was not was also it like invented, invented in the in country America, like fifty years ago? Uh, no, not quite. Okay, not quite. Sorry, I don't mean to hijack your. No, 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 uh, no. I've just been so disillusioned. It is. It's like turns out wasabi's not real wasabi. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my god, right, 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 what are you doing right. to my food? Yeah. I don't believe anything now. So here's a story of um, in 1938, uh, a guy, military gentleman, Feban Songkram. Most people now in, in Western culture just refer to him as Feban. And he became prime minister of Thailand. Mm. Six years before this, he played a prominent role in a military coup. They have military coups a lot a in lot Thailand. That basically stripped Thailand's monarchy from its absolute power. So this was back when Thailand was known as Siam. Mm. In fact, he was the guy behind the driving force to change the name mm. from Siam to Thailand. And so Phibun is both famous and infamous. On one hand, he helped establish a, a national modern identity for Thailand, but also was a uh, fascist ruler mm. and aligned with the Axis power in mm. World War II. And so some some quick background, just because Thailand is very interesting in history, especially, you know, Chris, you talked about uh, India and colonization in Mm -hmm. Thailand. In South Asia, Thailand or Siam back then had never been colonized, Uh. never been colonized. But around its borders are all countries with British and French colonies. You have Vietnam, you have, you know, parts of, you have India, you have, you know, Hong Kong, like all, they're surrounded by these forces. And so Phibun, he was European educated. He wanted Thailand to have a strong, modern, unified identity. Uh, Siam was a mix of hodgepodge of like local subcultures, different you know kind of tribal cultures right. with different dialects, different language, different customs, and also Thailand had a lot of Chinese influence too. There were a lot of Chinese immigrants. There were schools. There people were speaking Chinese, and he wanted a real united identity. He was a nationalist. Part of uh, his 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 rule, he passed a twelve cultural mandates. Twelve cultural mandates that were new rules that mm. people of, of Siam, or now Thailand, <laughs> needed to live by. Sounds some, pretty fascist. <laughs> some of these rules like seem very nationalistic. Like, here is the official anthem. Here's our national anthem. Mm-hmm. And some of them were, people of Thailand are called Thai. The language is Thai, mm-hmm. you know, not Siam anymore. And then some of these rules were like, hey, you should wear hats and you should wear pants and shirts mm. uh, because different tribal had different native clothes. Some of them, the women were topless. And it's like a national that, dress code. Yeah, national mm. dress code. Uh, there's also national, like, you should spend a third of your day working, a third of your day with family. And, oh, and wow. just, you know, yeah. like to that point. And, um, 
And one of them was buy and use and produce Thai products. Directly food. Food, food, food. Okay. Because Thailand, their main export was rice. And their whole diet was mostly rice-centric. And rice is being sold to China, to other parts of Asia. And Fibon was like, no, we want to cut that connection. And so he thought, okay, Thailand needs a national dish that does not include rice. But at the same time, is nutrition enough for everybody and, and tastes good. Okay. That dish, the Pad Thai dish, is actually a Chinese dish. It's it's stir fried rice noodles. The only uh-huh. the only Thai Thai thing is the spices that were put in. Uh, so okay. it was called you know stir fried noodles Thai style. Interesting. Um, just like in China, there's also in Chinese culture there's like fried rice Singaporean style. Hmm. So the, it really is a Chinese <laughs> dish. But he basically co opted it. Yeah, co opted it. Hmm. This is our national. Dish. It's like a national dish by fiat. It's, and yeah, that's it was, precisely what it was. It was propaganda. You will all eat this. It yeah. was. Pro- you all have Crazy. to eat this. So, so then you have street vendors selling pad thai on the street. It became like fast food because it was very. It was just hodgepodge of things stir fried mm-hmm. with rice noodles. That became the national Thai dish. And, and this wow. is this is in you know within. The last century. Yeah, yeah. It did not come out naturally. Right, right. It was not a not a traditional traditional dish. Wow. What does the name? What does the pad and pad Thai mean? Noodles. So okay. Or stir fried. Yeah. High style. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's weird because it's almost like an oxymoron. It's like we got to be more Thai. So this is our national dish. Yeah. Which is (laughs) a a dish, dish. a Chinese dish. (laughs) That we're trying to cut connections to. Yeah. But also in made out of ingredients that, you know, the only thing that we have is like the spices. Um, tam- yeah. Tamarind, uh, pepper, Yeah, I definitely associate chili. some tamarind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's kind of the, the orange sauce of it. But all the other stuff is is just kind of like what came to be. Mm-hmm. Different different places had different types of pad thai. Pad thai. Delicious propaganda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Delicious, delicious fascism. <laughs> I'm hungry. I am really hungry. I'm hungry. Some spices. Let's do the cinnamon challenge. <laughs> What's the cinnamon challenge? What? You don't you know, know the oh cinnamon my, challenge? Oh, my God. This is never, Carrie, never do this. Not Maybe in your youthful days you might have done It's like this. one of these like well, viral self pranks. Yeah. It's the cinnamon challenge is you, you know, you, of course you YouTube yourself, right? But it's basically just, you, you're supposed to eat a spoonful of cinnamon. But it it dries out your mouth so quickly. Yeah, I bet it's not the spice. That it's you the... no no no, it's not the spice. It's it's the the fact that it's so dry that it just sucks all the saliva out of your mouth. You can't swallow without saliva. But you 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 end up basically like choking. Yeah, you end up coughing. coughing and cho- it's a bad time. It's a bad. They time. all all the videos end up with people coughing, eyes running, water. Yeah. yeah. But the cinnamon just like instantly just like sucks no, up any moisture you. that was ever in there. Yeah, it's not. It's painful. That doesn't. Even and then sound... you inhale a little bit of it. Oh, and then no. Right, right, right. That doesn't sound fun no. or funny. <laughs> so kids, don't do please, this. Yeah. Please, it's do dumb. not. Yeah. So we'll go it's eat dumb. some food with some spices in it. Is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And that is our show. Thank you guys for joining me. I think. You guys, listeners, for listening in, hope you learn a lot of stuff about the Japanese uh, Navy. What are they called again? Maritime Defense? The Maritime Self-Defense Force. Mm. Yep. Some Tony Basil, Pad Thai, Belmont Steaks, and, of course, the our, our, our pet camel, Alexander Humpington. <laughs> uh, you can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 